Dr. R.J. Rushduni, RR161CQ172, Environmentalism, from the Easy Chair, Excellent Colloquies on Various Subjects. This is R.J. Rushduni, Easy Chair number 282, January the 4th, 1993. Douglas, Murray, Otto Scott, Mark Rushduni, and I are now going to discuss environmentalism. Before we begin, I'd like to point out that there are really two kinds of environmentalism, but the two are interrelated. The first is that kind of environmentalism that has to do with saving the planet, the worship of the Mother Gaia, the belief that uh, of the tree huggers that the trees are more valuable than people, that uh, we should uh, avoid killing animals because they have rights and we should eat vegetables only, and so on and on. It has its religious aspect now very openly in the worship of the earth goddess Gaia. Then there is the kind of environmentalism that says that you and I are products of our environment. And to quote Carl Menninger, the very prominent psychiatrist who has done a great deal of evil in our century, as he stated, and I quote, I suspect that all the crimes committed by all the jailed criminals do not equal in total social damage that of the crimes committed against them, unquote. And of course, as far as he is concerned, the uh, major criminals in this matter are parents and especially mothers. So, Menninger, a highly respected man, was uh, particularly venomous for everything that uh, Christianity represents. So, you have these two environmentalisms, the one, the Mother Earth, Gaia, then the other whereby people are <clears throat> victims of their environment. Now, the two are related very closely in this respect. If you worship nature, you then believe that man is determined by the natural world and the forces around him. So man is a product of his environment, family and natural, political, social. He is a product. However, if you believe that God created man, then man is a product of God, and even more according to the Bible, 
He is an image bearer of Almighty God. If you believe in uh, environmentalism, you're going to say that man is predestined by the natural world, as, of course, Lamatri, one of the leaders in this school of thought, declared in his book, Man a Machine. If you believe that God is the creator, then man is predestined not by nature, he is Lord over nature. He is predestined by God. So we have a conflict between Christianity and environmentalism. Environmentalism has declared total war against biblical faith. And the sad fact is a lot of idiots within the churches fail to realize it and they keep producing articles and booklets and books presenting a Christian version of environmentalism. Douglas? Well, I've come to look upon the environmental movement really as a Trojan horse because there's a lot of things being done in the name of environmentalism which have much deeper uh, uh, ramifications such as the attack on Christianity <clears throat> and a lot of the, there's a lot of people who for whatever reason they're simple-minded or something have you know bought into the movement who you know go for the mother Gaia thing mm-hmm. in fact somebody that at Christmas time uh, after having received my uh, Christian Christmas card sent me a greeting card with uh, Gaia mother Gaia on the front of it and I sent it back to them with a little note scribbled at the bottom is this a picture of your (laughs) mother-in-law and uh, but you see it um, in every sphere the um, the environmentalists uh, for instance uh, recently I've been uh, involved in uh, recreational uh, mining uh, gold mining just as a avocational interest and the environmentalists have really honed in on destroying every use of the land by people they want to eliminate absolutely every use of the land you cannot set foot on a piece of uh, ground that is either BLM property or wilderness area unless you are an approved specialist or an approved expert in some particular field of study and uh, all that means to me is is that uh, the public is going to be excluded from public property yes and uh, you know you have to wonder what what is the point what's the what's the ultimate goal of these people well the ultimate goal apparently is sketched out to some extent here by <coughs> Dixie Lee Ray yes who gave an interview to the Acton Institute for the study of religion and liberty. Interesting new group. First of all, she was sent down by various conservative groups to cover the real conference on the environment, which is supposed to set up a world order of environmentalism. And she questioned the Prime Minister of Norway, 
who was the assistant executive for the conference, and asked them if it was true that the conference uh, resembled the agenda of the World Socialist Party. And this Norwegian political woman said, well, yes, of course. And the next point brought up in the interview is the role of property rights in the environmental debate. And there was an attack in Rio on the idea of people having property rights. The environmental movement does not believe that because you own a piece of land, you have a right to do anything with it. So in other words, the whole concept of ownership is not recognized by the real environmentalist. The uh, farms are being taken away from people on the wetlands issue. I mean, if there's a couple of mud puddles uh, on your land, then it's a wetland and it can be taken away without any particular due process and so forth. The junk science effect, which has created environmentalism in the popular sense. First, you recall the nuclear winter, and now we're supposed to be, uh, the, the, the globe is supposed to be heating when it's not. All kinds of scares about this is unsafe and that is unsafe, junk science. The press cannot be corrected. They talk about acid rain when it doesn't exist, when it can be uh, very easily eliminated where it does exist. Um, all sorts of things of this nature. What we are confronted with is an attack upon property, property rights, human rights, in the guise of helping the earth. And it's typical, uh, I guess, of Lucifer to come in the guise of helping. And the environmental movement is probably the worst thing that's hit us, worse than communism, worse than socialism, because it goes beyond. And I'll just make one more point, if I may. Oh, take your time, please. Well, mass liability. There's an article on the front page of today's Wall Street Journal. This is January the 4th, 1993. A small company, a small paint company called the Jones Blair Company, which only employs about 400 people, had to pay $205,000 to the uh, EPA because it had dumped some of its chemicals under license at a particular deposit. It got permission to do so. It paid for the permission and had permission and then it used this, whatever they call these places now, they don't call them dumps anymore. But after they had paid that fine, the in individuals, a whole group of individuals claimed to have been damaged by the things that were put into that particular dump, went to court. And the government then turned the, they included this particular paint company in the uh, people liable. The judge admitted that the paint company was, even though it had already settled with the government. So they had to hire a lawyer and go back into defense again. The as the trial proceeded, several of the companies involved, every company that had ever dumped anything into this place was sued. 
and the companies began to diminish in number because some of them were put into bankruptcy by the costs of defending themselves. The judge then ordered this paint company to hire what he called a liaison lawyer to deal with the litigants. The liaison lawyer told the paint company it would have to put up another 26000 and charge them $20,000 for making that recommendation. Their original lawyer was so outraged by the fact that they were back into court, although they had obeyed the law, that he is now working for them gratis. However, as the case continues, the 84-year-old owner of the paint company said it's like wrestling with a man who has a pistol. There's no way to win. We are going to defend ourselves as long as we can, but we are all certain that we are going to be driven into bankruptcy. Now, this is just one case. There are mass liability suits all across the country under the EPA, under the Superfund Act, which is supposed to clean up everything that every generation before us has ever done in this country. This generation is going to pay for it. Mm-hmm. Moreover, both parties are guilty, both political parties, in this respect. On top of that, the major target has been the small corporation. Some so small that they are just family operations because they know that these do not have the money to put up a million dollars in their defense. And so it's a kind of blackmail, an operation shakedown. And the kind of people who join in these suits are very often on the political left who feel that any form of capitalistic enterprise is evil and therefore must be the target of litigation, no matter how absurd and unjust. Well, the other, there's another aspect to it is that they, uh, the government needs a scorecard. Yes. They have to show that they're getting something done in this area, and small companies make good targets. That's right. And uh, if you had ten companies, uh, chemical companies, uh, nine of them were small and one of them was DuPont, you can say, well, we've got a 90% kill ratio here, and they can look good politically without having to go after somebody that's big enough to take care of themselves. So uh, the, the people who prosecute these are politicians. And... Uh, if they can get nine out of ten convictions and uh, put nine small companies under, then as far as they're concerned, is there's uh, no big loss. And for the one big company, they've eliminated 90% of their competition. Mm-hmm. And it didn't cost them a dime. The government paid for it. Yes. Well, Ashton Oil is a big company, as manufacturing companies go. It has about $8 billion in annual volume. It's being sued by 800 people who all claim to have had their health injured by the operations of the refinery, although the refinery has always operated within the limits of the EPA regulations. Now, these 800 people are represented by three different attorneys, two from outside the area and one from inside the area. 
None of the 800 people have allowed a medical examination, and none of them will provide their medical history, but all of them claim to have been injured and to be suffering from the actions, uh, operations of the refinery. The judge has now ordered the lawyers suing, representing the sewers, to sit down with the lawyers of the company to bring to come to a settlement saying that a trial will be too lengthy and too expensive for the taxpayers of the region. Now this fits what you just said about blackmail. The uh, first trial, there was a trial originally held with only a few of the defendants, and the jury brought in 10.9 million in favor of the people who were suing. Then it turned out that three of the four people involved had no property, they claimed property damage, and couldn't prove any physical ailments, and the ailments, and the uh, Supreme Court of West Virginia at that time threw the whole case out. But there is no guarantee. When the judge says settle, it means settle. Because if you then decide to go to the court and go to a jury, you can imagine what the largest company in the state of Kentucky is going to fare at the hands of a blue-collar jury against 800 working people. The appeal court does not evaluate these things on the basis of the judgment. It, it, it only passes on the correctness of the procedure of the trial. And the Supreme Court of the United States, I hate to use that word, about it, has yet to do anything about these unlimited liability cases. And most of the unlimited liability cases used to be medical. Now they're turning into the social, biological. Well, what you said, Otto, makes very clear that... Uh, <clears throat> Justice has left our political and legal system. Today the courts are politicized. They follow the uh, intellectual fads of the day, whether environmental or uh, anything else, so that individuals and corporations are no longer capable of receiving justice if what they represent goes against the political ideology of the moment. This fellow down in Florida, who was a uh, very highly qualified uh, expert in uh, waterfowl, and he was hired by some people to improve the wildlife habitat on this particular piece of land. So he drew up a plan they had to go through a lengthy and very difficult permit process and wound up getting 26 permits and he improved this piece of land so that more waterfowl were able to use it in their north-south north flyway along the east coast and the federal government went after him because he changed the nature of this particular wetland area and this was after they had gotten all of the permits and uh, had complied with all of the regulations and he's going to do uh, I think six months in uh, 
prison in a federal uh, detention center uh, because of this. And uh, when they interviewed the the federal mm -hmm. regulators, it was very plain that all they were interested in, it was not that whether he had made things better or worse or what the impact on his family was going to be or anything else. It was just that they wanted to exert their power and it was just raw, naked exerting of power, that they had the power to put this guy in jail. And uh, you could see it in their eyes. But you know, this is sort of moral pornography. The, the basic thing about pornography is that it treats people as objects. Yes. That is really the basic attitude of a criminal. A criminal treats people as objects, objects that are in his way, objects that have no right to their own property, objects that he can handle and treat, do anything to, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't object to his conscience. And what you said before, Doug, about treating people as digits, as numbers, is involved here. What, what can you say about a lawsuit that has 800 people in it? How can you even examine and take depositions from 800 people? People who will not submit to a medical examination to demonstrate the validity of their claims of medical damage. That's right. It's really buying, it's like buying a lottery ticket, you know, it's an attempt uh, to get something for nothing, and in the case of these 800 people, or at least some of them, it's fraud. Well, we've had examples of federal justices, uh, district judges, federal district judges, taxing people. We have a judiciary which doesn't seem to be aware of the economic consequences of any decisions. Now, if these people put this particular refinery out of business. I've forgotten how many thousands, tens of thousands of people will be put out of work. Mm -hmm. The state of Kentucky will lose its largest taxpayer and people will lose their livelihoods. You know, if any of these 800 people filed a fraudulent claim against an insurance company, they'd go to jail. And they're filing a fraudulent claim against a uh, a company, uh, you know, no well, no examination, not proving their case, and they could never get away with that uh, well, against an insurance you, company. What can you say about it? If, for instance, maybe some people do find their breathing affected. Uh, when coal was, was being used in London to heat the, uh, and so provide power for the city of London, its fogs were famous. There's no more fogs in London, by the way. The atmosphere is all cleaned up. They're not using coal anymore. No more of the black fogs. That's right. No just more, natural Just fogs. natural fogs from the river. Mm -hmm. uh, but when they were using coal, I'm sure there were an awful lot of people who died as a result, as partly as a result. I mean, people who had uh, respiratory problems or exasperated and so forth. But you cannot create a perfect atmosphere for mankind. We cannot escape the fact that life is a test and it's our earth is cursed, that we have troubles that are ineradicable. They just they they change like from germs to viruses.
Well, how many people would have frozen to death in London without the coal? You know, they didn't have the North Sea oil fields That's at right. that time. That's right. It was either coal or freeze That's to death. That's right. That's true. Yes, before the discovery of coal in Britain, the forests were regularly stripped in severe winters. And a good deal of the woodland of Britain returned with the discovery that they could use mine and use coal. Well, that brings up the point. I saw a program the other night uh, on the Discovery Channel, which is filled with uh, little animal things which annoy me. But I turned on by accident this Kokotoa. Do you remember the Kokotoa? Oh, yes. This island that just erupted mm -hmm. and only a fragment of it is left. I think about a third of the original island is there. The rest and all its inhabitants were inundated. There was a, a tidal wave 100 feet high which swept around the world and it put all kinds of people into their grave and so forth. Well, that was, when was that? 150 years ago? Something like that. Somewhere in that area. Yes. Well, now the fragment that was remaining, which was a desert, mm -hmm. everything was stripped, everything was gone, is teeming with birds. It's got giant uh, vegetation and trees. Yes. It's got all kinds of animals and bugs and insects and everything else. It's an absolute vibrant with life. Yes. Within a year or two, there were some plants and vegetation on Krakatoa. Just as uh, after Mount St. Helens erupted, very quickly there was a return of vegetation and of other life. And of course they've gone in and planted trees where the forests were destroyed. One of the areas of California with the um, strongest environmental safeguards and regulations is the Lake Tahoe region and in the last century when the uh, Virginia City mines were going uh, full tilt they needed mining timbers well there's no timber around there the closest source was the Lake Tahoe Basin because they were up for around the entire lake they could log the trees, they clear-cut the entire Tahoe Basin. There are no, if you go there today, it's a beautiful area, but there are no huge trees. They clear-cut the entire basin, they took the, the logs down to Lake Tahoe, they could float them across the lake, and then they had a railroad uh, that could take them to the Virginia City Mines. The entire area was clear-cut. Today it's a tourist attraction for its beauty. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I often think that God must get frustrated at times trying to demonstrate to man that man is not in charge. You know, what do I have to do? Well, the idea that on this tiny planet we could pollute the whole atmosphere of infinity is insane. Absolutely insane. Well, Dr. Ivan Browning said that if all the uh, spray cans with their supposedly harmful chemicals of, from all over the world were taken and people pushed them and uh, emptied them 
next to Mount St. Helens, it would not even remotely but equal uh, uh, one of the moderate er eruptions. Yeah, it wouldn't be measurable next to now, an eruption of that magnitude. Well, it is interesting the mythology that has been created the evil that is being done. What we do have here is not science, although it masquerades its as science, but a fanatical political agenda of the new Marxists. Because I do believe the new Marxism today is environmentalism. We saw something of the absurdity of the environmentalists here in this county, of course, this past year, with a tremendous fire which was on the newsreels from coast to coast. And I suppose each of you had calls, as I did, from people wanting to know if we were being burned out. Well, of course, the fire which burned between... 17 and 18,000 acres of forest land was preventable. It was caused by the fact that what once prevailed, the use of these lands for grazing by cattle, was ended. Grass grew up year after year, matted, and created a tremendous hazard. A uh, brush grew up that is highly inflammable, whereas with the cattle the brush would be destroyed and the young trees would sprout and grow much better. The cattle would not eat the pine because of the uh, turpentine uh, taste. Only in great extremity when nearly starving would animals touch it. So, Conditions were created throughout the West by this type of environmental regulation that led to tremendous forest fires. In Australia, they had fire in the past couple of years that if it had taken place in the United States would have meant everything from Dallas Texas to Atlanta, Georgia would have been burned. And again, the reason was environmental pressures. Douglas, you know a great deal about that sort of thing from your own experience. Well, I recently hiked through the area where that fire, the old Gulch fire, started. And it's reassuring to see green grass is already appearing. Uh, yes. And the buds have already formed on the poison oak. So, uh, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the place is uh, rejuvenating, and uh, strangely enough, it's, uh, it's opened up a lot of areas, of course, and uh, we found old cabin sites, old mining sites and cabin sites and so forth that were very interesting and found artifacts and so forth that would have just rusted and wasted away. And a friend of mine has collected some of these and taken them to the local museum. But the, uh, you know, the the uh, the rebuilding has already started, and uh, 
it's an indication that, you know, if the fire, if we had set the fires intentionally in an effort to destroy the area, you can't, you can't destroy it because the ash um, creates better soil and uh, the birds come in and uh, uh, dr- uh, distribute the seed and uh, it, re- it begins to rejuvenate in a very short period of time. So it lends credibility to the uh, idea that, uh, you know, even with a concerted effort, very intensive destructive effort in a particular area, that it's pretty difficult to, to uh, destroy life for any length of time in a, uh, in a particular location. Well, I remember I sailed tankers during World War II most of the time because there was less work on them than a cargo vessel, and I was lazy. And, uh, of course, the tankers were, if they were hit, they went down, and they sailed by themselves. They didn't sail in convoy. The Germans would use cannon and wouldn't waste a torpedo on a tanker. The... The greatest number of tankers that were knocked off, well, let's take New York Harbor. There were a lot knocked off for the uh, Galveston Bar, Galveston at that time being very big, and Port Arthur being the largest uh, oil port in the country. The ships went down off New York Harbor and uh, off Port Arthur and off Houston. And, of course, there were great oil spills. The oil was washed up on the shores of northern New Jersey together with part of the crew. And uh, there were over a thousand Allied uh, merchant vessels knocked out in the first year of the war. So we're not talking about small numbers, and we're not talking about small oil spills. By the end of the war... Or shortly, I never heard anybody complaining in New Jersey about it. And, of course, none of these sinkings were printed in the press because it was all classified. After the end of the war, the New York Times ran uh, in a series of editions, uh, pages and pages and pages of the ships and the crew and so forth that went down. But it was all washed away by the ocean. Oil spills are dispersed by natural processes, and I investigated oil spills off the coast of California at one point about 15 or 20 years ago, and I found that the oil spills off California had enriched the plankton Mm -hmm. and other types of sea uh, organisms, so the oil actually helped. Mm the ocean. The oil spill helped the water. And now an oil spill is put in headlines as though it was a a massacre of the Indians or something. It's one of the craziest pieces of nonsense I've ever read in my life. Well, you know, the number of ships, uh, there were a lot of ships sunk along the West Coast, too, at that time. Uh, A friend of mine in the Coast Guard uh, told me that uh, even prior to the declaration of war against Japan, that 50 ships a night were going down off the West Coast, that there were 50 SOSs that were picked up by American military monitoring installations up and down the West Coast, and they could do nothing about it. 
but I can remember as a kid, because I used to practically live on the beach, uh, surf fishing and so forth, and the oil would, you know, would come in, and within a day or two, it would wash out to sea. Later, I got interested in doing a lot of skin diving, and I was amazed to find um, coral growing down in Monterey Bay, which is only, a, you know, what, 100 miles south of San Francisco. I mean, here's a tropical, a very delicate uh, tropical uh, growth, uh, you know, that far north. It's not even, water's not even warm. So uh, it has a cleansing action. These things break up. They oxidize. They uh, they change uh, into other forms. Alaska had a big fish run right after the uh, biggest they've ever had. Is biggest ever had. In other words, God takes care of this. Yes, God takes care of the whole scheme of existence. Well, the environmentalists can't stand that because well, they're not in charge. They don't it, believe it. It, it really. They've That's undertaken the work of God. Yeah. Yes, and exactly. They have replaced God. They think that modern science has replaced yeah. God. It frustrates them terribly to see that go on. You know. They want the state and the scientists combined to do God's work. Well, you know, if you call but they Wolf, don't understand God's word. No, no. <laughs> that's the problem. They wouldn't know it if they saw it. <laughs> well, you know, remember what Dawson said: you can always tell it by the fact it's so different from the way we would do it. That's right. Yeah, yeah, very good. Well, you know, if you cry wolf long enough, as the environmentalists have done with the global warming and the ozone hole and all the rest of it, you know, we've discussed all these things about the scientists in the Antarctic who told me that there is no ozone hole. We've been down there measuring it, and we can't find it. It's not happening. And, you know, if you yell wolf long enough, pretty soon everybody becomes aware of the fact that it's uh, it's not true. and they begin, no they begin to ignore these uh, so-called dire warnings and uh, you know they'll lose their uh, their credibility Mark you've been on the fire line forest fire after forest fire year after year do you have something to add to the question well the trees grow back <laughs> they always do um, I think more interesting uh, is some years ago when I first moved to the area, I saw a picture of uh, some of this area when they needed mining timbers. They would clear-cut entire mountains around here. Uh, and you'd see pictures of them with their logs loaded on these horse-drawn vehicles or these old big steam tractors and the entire hillside behind them. And in, in one case, I remember seeing a, 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 a local landmark was amazed to see this local landmark with no vegetation around it. And now mm -hmm. it's all big oak trees, exactly. pine trees. It's all it's all grown back. And they made, I'm sure, back when they were mining, they made no effort to reforest it. I mean, no. to replant the trees. No, so it was relatively slow. If you replant trees, they grow back twice as fast because you you save that early uh, period of uh, uh, germination by several years. But something Otto said. Um, I think on the other side of the tape was that um, environmentalism may be uh, uh, more serious than communism in a way. One reason I think that might be true is that um, people are predisposed to believe the environmental line because they've been taught evolution. And environmentalism is just a 
a, a necessary extension of evolution. Evolution says that the world and man have evolved by natural processes and that we must not allow those processes to be interrupted by man's intelligence. They say that man has evolved too far, that man is too intelligent, man now has evolved the ability to interfere with the environment, mm -hmm. and that man must be prevented from uh, interfering with his environment, which is just the opposite of, of the dominion mandate exactly the opposite of God's dominion mandate. So all at once they've completely reversed the Christian position that man is to have dominion over the creation. And they've also created the rationale for an intelligentsia to tell man how to live and to force him to do it in a, in a dictatorial method. Well, it's, it's wonderfully reassuring when I walk through the woods on hikes to see all of the trees that survived this terrible fire. The temperatures were unreal. Uh, the heat would sear you within a thousand feet because a friend of mine that I went hiking with was driving one of the bulldozers uh, that was putting in, uh, you know, uh, fire breaks. And they said that it, within a thousand feet it would take the paint off the side of the bulldozer. And this is a big machine. Uh, you know, that presumably could take a great deal of heat. And he said that they all came in with the, the paint scorched off the side of them. They had to repaint the one that they took out there. But I think it's wonderfully reassuring when you walk through the woods to see the, uh, the thick bark, the trees that survive, like the, uh, the big cedars, uh, the redwoods, they all have very thick bark. So God has provided an insulation that keeps those trees alive. Mm-hmm. They, they, they couldn't survive without it. Now, you know, that's not just a, that's not just a, an accident in my mind. Otto, you began with uh, quotations from an interview with Dixie Lee Ray. I think I should call attention to the book written by Dixie Lee Ray with Lou Guzzo, Trashing the Planet, published by Regnery Gateway in uh, 1990 uh, in Washington, D.C. It is still available. <coughs> the goal of these environmentalists uh, is cited. For example, and I quote, Stuart Brand, writing in the Whole Earth Catalog, says, We have wished, we eco-freaks, for a disaster or for a social change to come and bomb us into the Stone Age, where we might live like Indians in our valley with our localism, our appropriate technology, our gardens, our homemade religion, guilt-free at last. <laughs> now, Dixie Lee Ray also quotes... Uh, Kenneth Boulding, originator of the spaceship Earth concept. The right to have children should be a marketable commodity, bought and traded by individuals, but absolutely limited by the state. Then again from the Earth First newsletter, 
in line with Stuart Brand's call for some kind of great disaster to wipe out most of the human race and enable the survivors to live guilt-free like Indians. The Earth First newsletter says that we've got that disaster. AIDS. It's going to wipe out most of the human race. Goody, goody. So it'll leave a handful of us who believe in protecting the Earth and we will do it. So we're dealing with madmen. The whole situation is ridiculous and I trust before long sanity returns. Certainly Dixie Lee Ray's book is a, an important step in that direction. Well, she was, by the way, governor of the state of Washington. Right. It's very interesting that the feminists attacked her. Yes. Mm -hmm. She's not a woman. <laughs> if, if you disagree with feminist movement, you are desexed. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, they will attack you on any... <laughs> any... Uh, pretense whatsoever. Well, if you look at uh, one of those two New York feminists, uh, Lori Allred, Bella Absolut, oh, Bella Absolut, Absolut. and yeah. uh, Bella Absolut one or two is, others, is a paleo-feminist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you topped me on, so I won't say what I had in mind. <laughs> well, I think that, you know, the, the people uh, are already beginning to uh, disbelieve the environmentalists because uh, take a look at this last election. Virtually every environmental-driven um, initiative was defeated. Yes. All over the country. Except Gore. <laughs> yeah. Well, I heard recently that a poll was taken of the people in Colorado regarding the anti-faggot amendment that they voted for. And the press, the media, wanted to uh, find that, that uh, many Coloradans didn't agree with it. To their horror, they discovered that over 90% not only agree with it, but embrace it. And as far as the boycott is concerned, they say that it's all to Colorado's good to keep people like that, sympathizers of that sort, out of the state. Sure. Well, uh, I think that's a step in the right direction, yes. and I think it's a, an arrow toward the way... That's the first time that the people are beginning to react. Well, it appears that immediately after that election... 16 states began working towards a similar initiative, and the number now may be over 20. Isn't that interesting? So that uh, <laughs> it encouraged a great many people. You hear very little of uh, that fact, and a great deal of uh, the various uh, film stars who are uh, anti-Colorado now. I wonder if it's helped their career as much as they think. Well, they'll jump on any, any bandwagon. 
I don't think it's going to uh, hurt Colorado at all. No, it's not going to hurt Colorado. No. It purified the state. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's driven up property uh, prices, and uh, native Coloradans find it very difficult to uh, to buy a home. You know, first-time home buyers are virtually excluded from the market there because the uh, the, the Hollywood crowd has driven the prices beyond their reach, and. Uh, most of them cannot afford to live in the town that they work in. Like Vail, Colorado, they have to drive maybe a hundred miles. You know, they work in jobs, uh, you know, in restaurants and that sort of thing, and they have to drive very long distances. They can't afford to live there. I was in Aspen, Colorado, uh, five or six years ago during the season on an interview, and it's like a movie set. Mm-hmm. The whole town. Really, it's like a movie set. It has uh, fancy restaurants and discos and uh, very uh, expensively costumed people. I wouldn't say dressed. Costumed uh, mm-hmm. is, is the only term for it. And you, you, I, you know, I felt like saying, when does the play begin? <laughs> well, they're very fickle. You know, when they get tired of it, they'll drop it and they'll move on. You know, it's a traveling road show. Well, what they hope to do to Colorado is what they did to uh, Arizona with Meacham and Martin Luther King's birthday, but I don't think it's It's going to work. work. Mm -hmm. It didn't work in Arizona. Mm -hmm. The people of Arizona never rescinded that. They have a law there. The holiday, it seems, was on a certain day, which uh, Martin Luther King's holiday fell on that occasion, on some off-calendar point for that state, and he ruled that it was illegal. They've never changed that rule there, as far as I know. I think they may have in the last few months. Oh, yes, well, then it's been that very they, recent. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, these uh, environmental bullies, I think, are going to have to retreat, but I hope the courts soon find out that they are not in tune with the people on these issues. That's the fearful aspect. The courts are assuming that the media and the liberals constitute the United States. I believe this is where Christians in particular have a great deal to do. They need to wake up and become relevant to our time. They need to recognize that environmentalism is a fool's game and the devil's game because it is an attack on Christianity. It is an attack on the sovereignty of God. It's a belief that man can destroy nature or remake it, which is a myth. Well, it's the old myth that arose in the Renaissance. Mm-hmm. That that we can control the tides and we can control all life, and to retreat, use religion as a retreat mm-hmm. is not proper. It's not supposed to be done. I mean, the the parable of the talents comes in here. Uh, you're given the knowledge, and grace descends upon you, and you have the faith. You're not supposed to bury it in the ground. You're supposed to use it in the world. 
And that is where 20th century Christianity has been a failure. It has been in retreat. It has surrendered one area after another to its enemy. Especially intellectual areas. Yes, yes. Well, this is why Chalcedon was established. And I think it's wonderful that uh, we are making headway. We're making uh, enemies. Oh, yes, we're making enemies, but... uh, Every day there are interesting responses. I had a call from Congress today. Uh, Congressman thoroughly delighted with the last issue. And more and more uh, people in positions of influence were hungry for a relevant application of the faith. And they are reacting enthusiastically. I think if God so provides, we're going to do a great deal more and many more areas because the time is right. I think our present world system is on its last legs and it's only a question of will we wake up to the issues and do something about it. That's our concern and I'm happy to report it's the concern of a growing number of people. Well, thank you all for listening and God bless you. Authorized by the Calcedon Foundation. Archived by the Mount Olive Tape Library. Digitized by ChristRules.com